It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Spurs supporter, that was my first love. I think that Tottenham are better for having Daniel Levy running the football club than they would be with someone else. The brief of him going in there was to be successful and win trophies. He's failed miserably at that. That was a moment where you invest. You still have to win trophies, don't you, to be defined as a successful mm. team. This expression, Spursy, do you think it's steeped in any substance? If I was involved with Spurs, that would hurt. I'm not sure why they call him Big Ange. Madison. I met him in Portugal last year. He's a rascal. Welcome to episode seven of Simon and Sunis, or as Graham would prefer it to be known, <laughs> Simon and any other fella. <laughs> Any other geezer? Any other geezer? <laughs> or Soonest and Simon? It doesn't really matter. It's Simon no, and Soonest for works. the time being. How are you, Gray? You okay? I'm good. Shoulder? Yeah, I had a little operation on it last week, so it's mm. still a wee bit sore, but. Um, but you're soldiering I'm good, on. good, yeah. You wouldn't make a mountain out of it, would you? You wouldn't no, milk it? Much. No. Good. I need you to help me on my jacket afterwards, if you don't mind. You need me to put on your jacket? No. No, 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 thank you. No, 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 thank you. No, 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 no refugee from Pakistan. No, I'm, I'm going to, Simon, I'm going to start this week. What is your relationship like with Daniel Levy? What was it like or what is it like now? It was both past um, and present. Back in the day, it wasn't the greatest because Daniel was always trying to take players from me. He tried to take Andrew Johnson, he tried to take Wayne Routledge. I think when we got promoted in 2004, Wayne was a young player that had come out of my academy. It was an academy that I was very proud of and spent a lot of time in making sure that young players had come through it and given an opportunity. Obviously, the first team manager made the selections of who played and didn't. So when it comes to us getting promoted and Wayne's coming to the last year of his contract, and I've already had the indignation of Paul Stretford hanging around him like a bad smell, it was frustrating for me to find out the Spurs were coming in for him at the last minute. Daniel mm. was offering me two and six and doing me a favour. And even when we get to the point where it's like seven o'clock in the evening, I'm saying, Daniel, we know we need the money. And, even, and, and by the way, you ain't going to get it done anyway because the kid's nowhere to be seen. You're not going to get a medical done. And I'm being told by Daniel he's, that he's around the corner yeah. waiting to have a medical, Parked which up, absolutely yeah. entranched me in my position. Um, I didn't warm to him. I didn't warm to him. I didn't think that he and I were cut from the same cloth and thought about things in the same way. And I, I think also we played him in an FA Cup tie and I turned up at Spurs not wearing a tie. And they said to me... Um, you got to wear a tie. Have you got a tie? I said, no, I've got a doctor's note. He said, no, no, no doctor's notes. We need a tie. And they came out and bought me a Spurs tie. And I said, I'm wearing a Spurs tie to come in your boardroom. But as the years have gone past, 
I've grown to respect his position. I've, I like him as a bloke now, and I respect, and I know that you and I differ because you, you look at him through the prism of you've been there forever and a day, and you've, you've won very little with them. Mm. But, cannot, and I think, but I don't, do, you, do you not think, Graham, that they've been very, very close? When you look at um, the appointment, initially of Harry, that took him to a certain level, and then on to Pochettino, and then you get back in that, and you've got Andreas Villas-Boas in the middle of that, that he gave him a lot of money. I think that Tottenham are better for having Daniel Levy running the football club than they would be with someone else. You asked me this question about Levy, why? Well, I think if, if, if the brief of him going in there was to be successful and win trophies, he's failed miserably at that. Mm. I think one League Cup in 20-odd years, is it? Um, being involved in a game where there's so much money sloshing around and you're a London club and you're a big London club, it's a, it a difficult task to build a fabulous stadium, although I will tell you, in my opinion, it's the best football stadium I know By of. By a mile. And the training facilities as well. Well, fantastic. Yeah. But I think um, in terms of Lytton or... Have you met him? Briefly once a long time ago. I, I don't know. Him? I've got no, no opinion of him. No. There's a fellow who might be a great guy. Um, but I'm just looking at, as a Spurs supporter, that was my first love, my first club. Um, I think that in terms of winning trophies, um, they have failed miserably at that. You think he buys the players? Well, I think he's had an influence in... in in his time there. Um, Don't ever, where, didn't where, John Williams at Blackburn have an no, influence over you? No, no influence He would all. offer an opinion, but it would right. be, my, it'd be my, right. my choice ultimately. Freddie? And I, and I don't, no, no chance. And I don't, and I don't think um, that's been the case at Spurs either. I think he's had a big say in who's, who's, um, who they've signed. It's a, a classic case, I think, of a non-footballing person making football decisions. And then I get it. Delegating can be a difficult job. Alex Ferguson was successful manager in Premier League history. Delegated really well. He didn't make, you know, all the day-to-day -day stuff, decisions. He, he delegated really well. And um, it worked for them big style. I just feel that in terms of football, there's been a near miss. Going back to the biggest near miss, final of the Champions League, that was a moment where you invest. Post you know, that. That not, season, not, no, post no, the, season. the following season, you yeah, get to the final. Point. They spent nothing, did they? Yeah, you, you, you go yeah. again, and that's the time mm. to invest money. So, yeah, business-wise, business, business wise, I think Spurs wipe their nose, don't they? they More than that. Yeah, they, they turn a profit. Um, having 140 American, million. I think, they, I think they're the club that was responsible for the world record profits. I think that might have been Eclipse now, but back in the day. I don't know. I, you know, I, I think on this, the game's changing, Graham, isn't it? in terms of people's perceptive. Well, you don't have to win trophies anymore. No, you still have to win trophies, don't you, to be defined as a successful mm. team. But given all the challenges going oh. on around about financial fair play and governance oh. and how football clubs have to operate now and building brand new in, stadiums. In boardrooms here in London, if, if Daniel Levy was to go tomorrow, the, he, he, he would be judged as um, a good operator yeah. by accountants and boardrooms in this great city where we're sitting in mm. right now, London. But by your average Spurs supporter, how would he be viewed? Yeah, I don't know, mixed bag, I mean, at the moment, because of Ange Postal Cobb. Oh, we've got a great chairman because we've not fallen foul of financial fair play. No, no, fair enough. Fair enough, fair enough. Because interesting, because, I mean, I, I knew Sugar as well. And well, that was my next question. Mm -hmm. You come across him? Yeah. Alan Sugar? Yeah, I like Alan. I come across him in Marbella. 
I didn't used to like him. I did business with him years and years ago, back in mobile telephony, and he and I locked horns in a very mm. unpleasant altercation. But I know his boys quite well. And Michelle, my partner Michelle, did The Apprentice and mm. became and won The Apprentice and was his apprentice. So that would suggest that you, Michelle would be intelligent. And then, Clearly. But then she ends up with you. Clearly. Well, Just an I observation, think, I, I by think the way. That, I think intelligence is all relative. And if you're comparing it to the intelligence that I bring to the equation, it's all <laughs> going to be relative, isn't it? But she had a f funny relationship. <laughs> Alex, she, had, sure. she had a funny sugar. relationship with Sugar um, because um, she, she went and got did the apprentice, didn't think she was going to win, went and did it a bit of fun, was already on 200 grand a year working in, in, in comms in Hull, went to work for Sugar after winning The Apprentice, and she was a madam on that apprentice show, but won it, and then went to work for a, a job that there wasn't one. There wasn't a job, and she had to go and do a job for Sugar, and I think she's one of the few people in the world that's told Sugar precisely what she thinks of him. But mm. I liked him, and there's always this thing, I mean, I like his boys, Daniel and Simon, um, and... There was always this, I, I, I said something about players once that Alan picked up upon, which is I was asked in a media interview, um, what, should, what do you think about players or do you care about players? And I said, I care about players as much as they care about me, which was, is a two-way transaction, which mm. means if the players love me, I love them. If they don't like me, I don't like them. And Alan picked up on the precise meaning that I had, which was basically, I care about them as much as they care about me, which means mm. about as good as they do can, their jobs. Can I tell you a story about Alan Sugar? John Williamson, who was great to work for, he was my, my boss at Blackburn Rovers, mm. the chief executive. He, he told the story that when Jack Walker was alive, he had said to John Williams, watch that Alan Sugar, he's smart. He is smart. So watch him and watch him, what moves he makes in football. So that's what Jack Walker thought. Well, he was smart because ultimately at the beginning of the Premier League, he was putting dishes up. <laughs> Absolutely. Would you, um, going back to Spurs, because we're on the Spurs theme, this expression, Spursy, do you think it's steeped in any substance? I mean, when you look at you there, you say it's for your first love as a club. You started there in the it, mid-70s, right? Early 70s. It's, it's steeped in not winning trophies. That's yeah. what it means. Does it? Yeah. Is that, is that the genesis of it? Or is it, is it just because they're flaky at times? Um, if you're flaky, what don't you do? You don't well, win trophies. There's only, so many people, there's only so many things you can win. Yeah. Are Aston Villa flaky? Well, Aston Villa, are, they've been flaky... And as much as I spent time in the, the championship, yeah. they are they are. But a you team. wouldn't think of them. You wouldn't say that. No. A bit of flaky, would you? No, but Spurs, going back certainly in my time in professional football, Spurs are, have been regarded as one of the big guys. Yeah. Aston Villa haven't. And and again for a team why in not? London. I mean, this is the European Champions forty years talk, ago. We're talking about Spurs. You've asked me no, why the word yeah, Spursy has been. Yeah. The, the word Spursy is about Spurs not winning trophies. Is it? Yeah. And how long has it existed? Was it, it wasn't around when you were there, was Most it? Most definitely. It's, it's a relatively new thing. Right. And, and the longer that, the longer it goes, I'm not winning trophies, the Spurs in them will always be used against them. And if I was involved with Spurs, that would hurt. Because it does suggest you a little bit. We're a bit lightweight. Yeah, a little yeah. bit milky, doesn't it? You get yeah. rolled over easy. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. But I mean, that's what I, well, it's a very different level and I get it and I don't want to parachute myself into a conversation that's not relevant. But that's the very thing that I, when I bought Palace, everyone used to go, it's like a, a bit like a character from the Fast Show. It was a little bit way, a little bit wool. Palace were a little bit soft underneath. You know, you could tickle their belly and they'd roll over, both on the field mm. and off the field. So what I wanted to do was, like, I'm never none of this is taking off the field stuff in terms of what we do commercially now we mm. operate and what business deals we do and how we do it and I remember watching the first time we and myself and Steve Cobble never got on but watching the one of the first games we got beat 5-0 by a non-league side and it's a non-league it's a it's a it's a pre-season, pre-season. game but it's still <laughs> embarrassing um and then we played Reading and Pardew was the manager of Reading and he had Martin Allen next to him and I remember him saying Get in, get in amongst them because they've got no and I remember thinking that's the precise opposite of my character and that's the mm. polar opposite of what I want my team to be well, we didn't have because they went on PS4 or 5 new in that mm. game as well um, what do you make of Ange? I'm, I'm a I mean obviously you're a Rangers man so you'd have watched him a little bit at Celtic but I like him I like a lot about him I mean he's got to win things and winning things in Scotland is commendable it's but it's different mm. no I think he's he's done everything I thought he'd struggle because you're taking Harry's goals out of the equation and you're thinking, where are the goals going to come from? Um, I think he's done really, really well at Spurs. He's, the first thing he got on side were the, the media. They seem to like him. He's got a lovely way with him. I only ever met him the once when he was in Scotland in an Italian restaurant. Absolutely charming. And he told me the story. He was a ball boy. Scotland, we had to go down to play Australian World Cup qualifier in 86. And he said he was a ball boy at the, the ground in Melbourne where we played and um, he, he, he was charming mm. charming and, and he comes across as an honest guy I'm not sure why they call him Big Ange because he's only he's my right. size and he, um, he I never thought Sam was that big though when they called him no, Big, big Sam. Sam yeah so he calls himself it Does he? So I've always found strange things to do how you call yourself Big Sam uh, but Ange, Ange has done everything right so far at Spurs and he has to you know he's, he's, he's galvanised the club People talk about them now about playing an attractive football. Um, they hit the wall of period when they were absolutely flying, didn't they? But mm. they've recovered from they lost that. lost all the centre-backs. Remember that game off the Chelsea? They lost all the centre-backs. Yeah, but they've recovered Madison. from that. Madison was a big mix, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and I think it's onwards and upwards for Spurs with him in charge. You like Madison? Enormously. 
I think if you look at his numbers, is that sort of just playing off the striker, that midfield, a number 10, I think the term is today, you know, getting on the ball in a half turn, slipping passes and getting goals, his numbers are better than anyone else. For me, I've, I've said they should use him in the, the England team. I was going to say, because he doesn't start. I think, Do you, you know think he's what? a Southgate sort of player, though? No. Well, Gareth, they've, got that, they've got that history, Gareth, haven't they? They've got that Gareth history. Gareth likes to have two holders, even against the lesser teams. And I would just like to see England off, off the lead. Yeah. And I think to do that, you get him on the, on the pitch. They'll outscore teams. Because I think Southgate, they've got this history, haven't they? Where Madison couldn't play for England, but was caught in a casino or something. Something like that. Mm. And I think, I think Southgate is all about people he can rely on. Or thinks he can rely on. Manson's a young boy. We've all done daftlings. Mm. Now he's, a, you know, now he is in a big time with a spotlight firmly on him. I met him, I met him in Portugal last year. He's a rascal. You know, he's yeah. one of those boys you meet and he's got a glint in his eye, the way he looks at you. I like him. A balance, though, isn't it, between yeah. being a rascal and having that devil may care and have that little bit of devil in you. What, would you, would you describe it as? You, you, who, would you, who did you describe as a team of son-in-laws? Was it Arsenal? I've Remember, you did it years ago. Yeah, yeah. years ago, you described it as a team of son-in-laws, didn't you? Yeah. Or you'd make a great... You know, if your daughter came through the front door with them, you wouldn't be... Yeah, wouldn't be... You wouldn't, wouldn't be, be welcoming her in. Yeah, yeah. No, you wouldn't be unhappy because he just seems a nice person. Really? Yeah, he'll look after him and daughter, yeah. Okay. I think, I think um, the term son-in-law would suggest that you're a nice person. And footballers sometimes have to cross that line and upset people. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, given that you think that Madison could be in the mix, I mean, Bellingham's going to start ahead of him. Mm -hmm. I mean, where are you on Bellingham? I mean, you, you're, you're a central midfield player, not cut from the same cloth as Bellingham, but notwithstanding that, you've got to, you'll have an eye on that position more than anyone else because you know it better than anyone he's, else. He's someone who arrives in the box late. He's, he's enormous. I was doing England Scotland, Scotland England game at Hamden when England absolutely bullied Scotland off the park without a fight coming back in another direction. Majorly disappointing for me. But I was on the halfway line in the build-up to the game, and so I was maybe 30, 40 feet from that Jude Bellingham. He's a giant. Mm -hmm. You know, his proportions are, are perfect. He's a great specimen as an athlete, and he's just a fabulous player who's a star already at 20, mm. playing at the highest level, playing under enormous pressure to produce goods at Real Madrid, which he's done. Yeah. In spades so far, mm. you know, he's, he's fulfilled every, everything that's been asked of him. And he, he'd be difficult to play against because he just wants to run into the box, arriving late, and he's got the strength to just push you out the way. He's got, you know, he's, he's a, he's a goal-scoring midfield player. But I, I see Madison being similar to him. I think he can, when they don't have the ball, he, this is Bellingham would drop in as a proper midfield player because he's got the energy and athleticism to get in the box and get back when you need to get back into your shape. And I see, I see Madison as someone who just floats around just off Harry Kane, delivering cute passes and also having an eye for a goal. When you look I, at think the, England, I think England are a really strong team at this time. Oh, bloody hell, Graham. I mean, I'm in the camp that, um, that this, they've got no business not winning this. I mean, look, you get some bad luck in the tournament. You get your key players sent off mm -hmm. or someone gets injured, injured and that changes the direction, right? Mm -hmm. We get that. But if none of that happens, and some of it you have they, to manage they're anyway. The favorites. Right? They're the favourites. Right. So coming out of this World Cup, you've got a term... Euros. Sorry, Euros. You're coming out of this Euros, England not laying a proper glove on this, and by laying a proper glove on it, I mean winning but, it, has got to be viewed as a disappointment. But don't, don't you think that going back to the semi-final against France in the World Cup, 
you know, they started, they were apprehensive in their approach. Yeah, wait for it to happen to them. And then when they find themselves behind, then they go after them, after France, and they're the better team. Absolutely. They should have won. Yeah. You know, why not start off and be positive and say, we're just going to outgun you today, have that confidence But what's that players? mindset? Because I, I make this observation about, I think Hodgson's uh, England team were a reactive team. Let's wait and see what the opposition does. See, worry about the opposition, and then when they've done it, we're going to react to see, it. See, going, it's a state of mind, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Like, going back to when I was a player, long before, we would be going into Eastern Europe playing against teams that we didn't know too much about. Right. Because there wasn't the same coverage as there is today. And Joel Fagan would say to me, and I knew, you know, I got it pretty quickly, he said, now, just before we going out the draw, he'd say to me, now, you'll have a good look today, son, won't you? And me as a holding midfield player, that meant don't be empty in that space. Just see where the game goes, how it's developing. So we were starting in a cautious way. But England going to play, wherever they play today, they've played yeah. against them before. Get up. They know, they know who the players are playing against. So they'll play against them maybe in Champions League games. They know what the opposition are. Mm. They know what they're good at. They know what they're not good at. And I would suggest, and it's hard for a Scotsman to say, that this group of English players today could go and take anyone on in a goal fest and out score them. Mm. That's how I see this England team. They're very, very good. But it's a mentality thing, though, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know, for you, for, and my life is obviously very different to my, yours because I'm, I've gone down a different route. You're, you're a professional footballer and a professional manager. Um, a mindset approach to things. I, 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 is it the same thing where, in business, I look at it and go, I worry about what, the, what I can do, not what the opposition can do? Well, I thought England have been opposite to that. I think England yeah. worry about the opposition. Instead of saying to themselves, we're that good, we can go and take them on in any, any type of game they want. And that's how good this group are, in my opinion. You think Bellingham's the best in the world right now in his position? Best in the world? I, he is a fabulous player, um, but he's 20. I mean, it's how good could he be? Almost yeah. When you've got this six, kind of... Six months at Real Madrid. I'm, see, I'm not... Yeah, but he's smashing it, isn't he? I'm not, com I'm not completely convinced that it's the toughest Spanish league anymore. Like no. I'm not convinced it's the toughest Italian league or the toughest German league. But is it, is it? Do you think it's the toughest Premier League? Because it isn't. Isn't it great? Just it is. Yeah. It, let me let me frame the, let me frame the observation. You're going to throw better. foreign players into it. No, I'm not going to throw foreign players into it. I'm going to throw where you're playing, irrespective of whether it's the toughest league, right? We know, and we've discussed this you and I hundreds of times about playing in certain environments, and irrespective of whether that team is dominating the league, there's still this in huge pressure by being a Man United player. Being a Liverpool player comes with an expectation. Mm. The price on the ticket is different than being a player at another football club. And irrespective of whether the league's as tough as it was before in Spain, he's, he's still walking into Madrid yeah. and kicking ass and taking numbers, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. So that tells you there's a certain mentality. It's either either he's that good or he's just completely oblivious and got no fear. He has the potential to be you know, the best midfield player in the world. Mm. At 20 years old, living their life. Do you, liken him to, do, you, do you liken him to someone like Zidane? Yes. You that's, do. That's the comparison I've made. And that's, you know, Zidane is maybe one of a handful of players in my time where I'd actually pay money just to watch him play mm. football. Music. Mm. You're a music fan. You've been involved in the yeah. music business. Yeah. No, very much. I mean, Tell it's, me a, about. it's an offshoot, isn't it? Um, I like anything that's to do with entertainment. When I, was, when I was building Palace or trying to build Palace, I was making films and I was very invested in music. Um, and there was a band in the 70s that were pivotal in my young life called The Specials that I wanted mm. to get back reformed and subsequently did. 
and they went on and did four or five world tours. Football's become more, it's more, D- of, more of an entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Disney more of an entertainment than ever before. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, musicians and, and, and actors and footballers, there's a lot of similarities between them. You know, in the film industry, when it's I'm difficult making, to deal with. Well, you're, you're, in films, like I made a film with Kevin Spacey. I know Kevin Spacey's off the radar now and got all kinds of vilification. He's now cleared his name, so he's back mm. into a position where he's bankable again and usable again. But when you're dealing in the film industry, you're, 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 your director is your football manager and your players are your actors. And they're very highly paid and often difficult it's to deal a lot with. Of work. So there's a lot of similarity between it. But like you, I mean, I don't know, you like music? Are you a big music fan? No, I'm, I'm not a big, um, never been to a music festival. Been to, I bet I've not been to 10 live gigs. You don't like any, I mean, what, yeah, I'll listen to what, music. Godly and Creme. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not. Um, Steely Dan. Yeah. Tooby Brothers, yeah. These young like, producers over it again. Who, who the f- Dan? Yeah. Crosby, no. Stills and Nash. Yeah, no, I'm not. My favourite band of all time would have been the Rolling Stones, don't you? Really? Mm. I'll tell you a story about the Rolling Stones. I saw them Hampden Park once. I saw them in um, San Francisco. And I'm over in America. And I'm with Meg, um, Meg Matthews. And she's had a turn. And she's left because I'm not paying I, enough. I, I can understand that. Not paying enough attention Being to her. with you, yeah. Well, we didn't all get younger wives and then Svengali them, did we? Mm. Right? Um, right. Um, so <laughs> I'm over in America. Meg's done a disappearing act, right? And I'm with Ray Winston. And such ma- a name dropper. I'm, not, I'm telling there. a story because this is what they want, right? Um, and um, he's making Beowulf, and and I'm trying to pump my film Telstar over there and get it sold for the American film market. And Meg phones me up and goes, "I've been gone for three days." I said, "Have you?" Oh, right. I'm right. I was in shutters. I didn't realise you'd been gone. She goes, "Yes, I have." And I'm over here with the Rolling Stones because she is godmother to Ronnie Wood's son, Jesse Wood's child. So she said, they're over here. Is that Joe? Is that Joe? Joe is the, was Ronnie Wood's wife. His son, via well, Joe, I, I think, was Jesse. Dinner, name drop. I was out for dinner oh, with so her just as bad, a I? month ago. Right. So in the middle of my story, um, Meg saying, what, they, they, listen, they all love their football. They'd love to have a chat with you. So my immediate response was, oh, I'm f- going to have a talk with these old farts. What am I going to have a f- talk with them for? I can't be f- bothered. Uh, you're on speakerphone. And they've all just listened to that little diaphragm. I said, oh, really? I said, can I have some tickets to the concert? <laughs> can I have some tickets to San Francisco, which they gave me? See, I thought, I thought Mick was a cricket fan. And a football fan. Was he? Yeah. And a football fan. Mm. Right. We have exhausted our time on episode seven. Nice to see you. And you. And see you next time we're out.